Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast, brought to you by Buyers Auto. If you're looking for an auto, head to buyersauto.com. If you're looking for Ohio State football recruiting stuff, stay right here because today, myself and Zach Carpenter are going to talk about the latest in Ohio State football recruiting, especially the recent addition of five-star all-everything athlete, Sonny Styles. So enough of my yammering. Let's get to me and Zach yammering right now. I am back. Jeremy Birmingham here with Zach Carpenter. We're talking stuff. The Ohio State Recruiting Podcast brought to you by Byers Auto, as I said just about four seconds ago. Um, Zach, we haven't had a chance to catch up in this forum since the commitment of Sonny Styles on Saturday afternoon. And, you know, I, I know people were sort of like, wow, when, how'd this happen? But this seemed like it was just coming for a while. Like Sonny had mentioned over and over to anyone, I, I, I'm closer than I'm getting closer. I'm getting closer. I, I don't want to drag this on. Um, and I know that people wanted to turn this into a, an Ohio state Notre Dame battle, but like every week that passed, it seemed like Ohio state was stretching that lead as opposed to, it tightening. Yeah, I think uh, we were both pretty confident for several weeks, about months, that Ohio State was in the best position. And if he's still, I mean, he's made multiple visits. He made his way over to Ohio State camps, like I think three times in June to like get extensive work with the coaching staff. So I think the writing was on the wall for a while. It was, I think it was just about what his comfort level was um, about making a decision and uh when when he wanted to finally do it and i think him getting in this class this early is just a massive not just for his obvious like his obvious talents and potential uh usage in the future of the ohio state defense but building this class from within um i know i took i took a question this week about how he could be could he be the next cj hicks style peer recruiter which uh, I think it's very clear that he's just very different from CJ as far as personality goes. Yeah. But I think it, he has that five-star aura and he has the Rolodex and he's the type of guy that other five-stars or high four-stars are going to want to play with um, and be on the same defense with. So I think getting him in the class is their first commit or their second commitment, third commitment. Wow. I'm losing track of them. First so, defensive commitment. Yep. Um it, it's you you couldn't ask for a bigger uh bigger commitment to start off the class and we kept talking about it for so long are, are we labeling this the commitment you know how the bulls had michael jordan had the shot ohio state yeah. michigan was the game uh, i think that we almost have to label it with something because as you said you're talking about a kid that has a different gravitas about him and people do recognize it uh, i wrote about it on monday on letterman row was it it's sort of like Quinn Ewers that you Sonny doesn't need to be a go rah rah vocal. I'm going to go out and get everyone. I'm going to at them on Twitter and that kind of stuff um, because people already know who he they know who he is. They, they know what where his loyalty is and what it, what he means now. He is part of you know the Ohio State recruiting machine now. So uh, what he said uh, you know when we did the commitment interview last week was I'm just going to try to build relationships with people and. Because that's what worked with him. It wasn't about the flashy stuff. It wasn't about the the 
oh, we want Sonny, we want Sonny. It wasn't about the constant push from the outside. It was about building solid relationships on the inside. And, you know, I think one thing that uh, people will probably be interested in hearing about in talking with Sonny, and this was about two weeks before he uh, made the announcement on Saturday, about 10 days before, he had mentioned to me that one of the things that had changed is when he told me he was going to be making a decision was that he realized that it was places like Ohio State, Notre Dame, et cetera, the schools he's looking at, Clemson, Florida, that if coaches come and go, it doesn't matter because the programs themselves are going to replace coaches with good coaches. Like, so, you know, people are like, oh, what if, what if Al Washington were to leave? What if Marcus Freeman were to leave? What if, it? and, and Sonny just basically said he, he realized that none of that stuff really mattered that much as long as the head coaches were there and the programs were going in the direction that they were going, that none of the other kind of peripheral noise mattered that much. And I thought that was a really interesting point because that when I asked him initially, what's changed? Why are you ready now? He's, he brought that up as one of the primary things that he realized that he was putting too much stock into that. Yeah, I think um, I, I hadn't really uh, put too much thought into that. But yeah, you're right, because I know talking to CJ Hicks and Gabe Powers, um, in the 2022 class, when the rumors about Al Washington potentially leaving for Tennessee, they were like, yeah, um, we talked about it, but even if Coach Wash leaves, it leaves, I'm still going to be committed to Ohio State. I'm still going to sign with them because it's more about the program as a whole. And you heard, I think a couple of weeks ago at a press conference with Ryan Day, asked him about uh, the Matt Barnes, Kerry Combs dynamic and, and those sorts of things. And he was very adamant. This is a team thing here. We, we we team recruit. It's not just about one. He, he did just to paraphrase, but he did. He said it's not just about one position coach. It's about the whole, yeah. um, the whole team here, the whole program, because they know what Ohio State is and what we're about. So I, I think that's how it is with most, uh, with, with most recruits. Maybe I guess defensive line might be a little different because Larry Johnson is so different in the way he does things. Yeah. If that makes sense. I don't know if you agree with that, but no, I definitely do. And, and I actually mentioned this, um, you know, a couple of times before is that Ryan Day's involvement in every one of these recruitments happens so early that it does offset the potential for anyone else changing jobs or, or, or leaving. And this is the, one of the fundamental differences between Ryan Day and Urban Meyer was that Meyer really didn't get involved in recruiting until it was closing time. And Ryan Day gets involved at the opening bell. And that is a huge difference because it does help smooth over some of those rocky waters. If a situation like Al Washington, uh, you know, to Tennessee, that when that was percolating last year, uh, if that were to come to fruition, then, you know, Ryan Day already has a relationship with with C.J. Hicks, with Gabe Powers. And I think that Ryan Day actually learned that right at the start of his career as a head coach, right when the Paris Johnson thing happened, because Ryan Day, you know, was already involved with Paris Johnson. And that helped, you know, keep Paris in the class, even though he took a couple of visits elsewhere. It, it, Ryan's involvement early in that situation, rather than being like, oh, that's not my guy. I don't need to recruit him. Stud has him. Urban has him. Ryan Day was already involved. And so that that does make a big difference. And, uh, you know, we could talk for many, many episodes about Sonny Styles and what he does, but uh, what he does for the class. But, you know, the, the big question people are going to have, Zach, is, okay, Sonny's in, who's next? Who's next? Because that's all anyone ever cares about. There's no no time to pat yourselves on the back in the world of recruiting. And so who's next? Who's next in the class of 2023? That's the question. I mean, I know you got it in the recruiting mailbag that you wrote on uh, Wednesday morning. I get it all the time from people. 
And if it was that easy, folks, you know, then we, we would, this job wouldn't really be important. But uh, it's not that easy. It, it is. Can I just start shouting names with no yes. rationale behind it? it, it yeah, it I mean, you can. I don't see why you wouldn't do that, to be honest. Uh, and I think that obviously we're both in agreement, and I think a lot of people are too, that Austin Saraveld from uh, Lakota East is probably one of the more likely candidates to be the next commitment. I thought he would be visiting Ohio State again for this Michigan State weekend. That's what he said initially. His plan was he's actually going to visit Alabama when they play Arkansas instead. So you're about to see his national profile really blow up because the Crimson Tide are going to offer and then George is going to offer. And then all of a sudden we'll find out how much Austin really wants to deal with the recruiting process. Because in talking to him, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago when I went down to a school to see him, this isn't a kid that seemed like he was really into the idea of being like widely recruited and, and being a recruit, um, you know, similar to Jimmy Rolder, who we'll talk about in a second, who this is a kid who five weeks ago, nobody had heard of. And now all of a sudden he's talking about Ohio state and Michigan and Notre Dame and, you know, Michigan state and now Alabama. <clears throat> I think Sarah Velda is still the name we, we believe is probably the most likely, right? Yeah, and that, that's funny you say that because he does have that personality of I think I don't know if I want I'm long for this uh, recruiting world type of stuff, but because I think it was Michigan State maybe one other school to offered him when Ohio State did, and it seemed like it felt to me at the time like all right this is probably just a matter of when not if, and I still feel that way. But a lot of these kids, I mean, you've been covering it uh, for nine, ten years. I've been covering it for two years. Um, a lot of these kids still want that profile to build up and they want to build relationships. They want that experience of going to visit schools and visit uh, different meet with different coaches. And a lot of it can have to do with, I want to build a relationship for down the line because maybe I wind up meeting with that coach at, if he leaves to another school or maybe even in the NFL some days, like that's some, a lot of times um, kids are thinking that and families are thinking that far down the line, but I do I, I do feel like Austin will be um, will be the next commit that he'll want to do it sooner than later. And maybe maybe this winds up being a Blake Miller situation, I guess, where we I think we all thought, OK, this will be done in no time. And then eventually he, he keeps putting off the decision and then he winds up at Clemson. But uh, I do the in the 2021 class and the 2022 class. I think it's clear that Ryan Day wants to start off with an Ohio nucleus just to start just to build a classroom within. Yeah, And sometimes because four of his first five commits in his first full class in 21 or the first five were Ohio, the first four in 2022 or 20. Yeah. The 2022 class were all Ohio. If we're counting Jair Brown. And I sometimes, I don't know if you are like this too, but sometimes I forget that those two classes started off with such an Ohio flavor because of the uh, national out of state approach. But I, I, I get the feeling that the 23 class is going to be the same way uh, because we have guys like Austin and then uh, Luke Montgomery, who um, yeah. would be a great great first start to the class. Yeah, I mean, it's one of these situations. We're talking about the, the kids who are wanting to do the recruiting process. There's two reasons that kids want to do the recruiting process. Number one is because they want to learn. They want to educate themselves. They want to make sure that, you know, hey, I for a kid like Austin Saraville, again, specifically, this is someone who probably is going to commit to Ohio state at some point. And I don't think, I don't think that's a real big surprise to him. I think he knows that. And I think it's about making sure that you have other stuff to stack up to Ohio state and say, okay, well, I've been to here. I've been to here. Ohio state is still the one I want to go to. 
And then there's kids who want to do the recruiting process for the accolades and the, the pictures and that kind of stuff. And Saravel, from what I've seen, is definitely not that type of kid. So um, I think this is just going to be a, an educational process, making sure that, you know, okay, Ohio State has this, this, and this, but Alabama has this, this, and this. What What's the difference? Is there a difference? What can I not get at Ohio State that I can get at Alabama, vice versa? Um, and then there's the other type of kid who, you know, we, we've talked about over and over. Um, the kids just love the recruiting process. And I think that this weekend, actually, there's another 2023 20, name that I think we could be looking at as an early commitment, and that's Peyton Kirkland. Uh, I, I, I'm not, again, I'm not saying he's on commitment watch or anything crazy like that, but like, I, I feel like this is a kid who may understand what we're talking about, that there is a push to start this 23 class in Ohio. And part of that is Josh Padilla. Part of that is Luke Montgomery. Part of that is Austin Sarabelle. And if they're talking five or six offensive linemen in the class of 2023, it may behoove Peyton Kirkland to get into that class early if he wants a spot. And I think that Ohio State is his favorite. And I think that he has an opportunity to do sort of what Tegra Shibola did and just sort of say, hey, I'm in and then fade away and not get caught up in a lot of the stuff. So I, I guess I'm not going to be surprised if he's the next one also. But I do think it'll be an offensive line. I, I feel pretty good about uh, Peyton Kirkland, Ohio State as well. I talked to him last week and just kind of reading the tea leaves there. It feels like Ohio State's in a great position. And I think I said this, uh, I believe in the forum, that obviously Greg Stadrawa, like some of the struggles there as far as personality fit and vibing with out-of-state offensive line recruits. There's In the past couple of classes, there's been um, a little more to be had there, I guess. But I think this is one where the two, the personalities between the two vibe uh, yeah. they pretty well. I, Peyton said that he, uh, Sadrawa reminds him of his, his own high school coach. So that that's something that I think is a positive actually for Ohio State with, with Peyton Kirkland. And now it's all about uh, th this upcoming visit for the Michigan State game that Ohio State uh, makes a good impression, which I have no real reason to believe that they won't. His mom's an Ohio State fan. He said he joked and said, yeah, I have to root for Ohio State no matter who they're playing, whatever, whatever game, whoever they're going against. Uh, I, yeah, like like you're saying, I think that's uh, uh, like like you said, not necessarily on commitment watch, but feel good about it going into the weekend. Yeah. And again, he's a Chicago native originally. He's not from Florida. This is not a situation where it, it's a kid in Florida who likes to play the game. He's a Midwest offensive lineman. Those players, those kids, generally speaking, are not into the recruiting uh, madness. So, you know, another player, Midwest offensive lineman, let's just switch gears and go back to 2022. Carson Hinsman, I mean, we're still waiting, Zach. A decision is, is on the horizon, but it has been on the horizon for six, seven weeks now, the, the big four-star offensive lineman from Wisconsin. Uh, it's Ohio State or Wisconsin. I keep hearing back and forth from different sides of people that he that Carson is just completely torn. There seems to be a push, and I've mentioned it before, but I'll just reiterate that parents want him to are, are not just wanting him. I don't, I don't maybe scratch that. I don't think they want him to go to Ohio State, but I think that they are much more comfortable with him going away to Ohio State than he ever imagined they would be. And I think that the holdup right now is whether or not Carson himself is able to get over that hump of leaving home for college. And I, I've heard as of Tuesday, the decision could come this week. But again, we've heard that it could be this week for the, for the last seven weeks. Yeah, I don't have really anything else to add that we didn't touch on in the in or out episode uh, last week. So, it, I, I mean, it's almost like when uh, we were talking about last week, you just check your phone to see if uh, he's yeah. tweeted it out or put it on Instagram because I don't 
think that this is a, a recruitment where I think we're going to see just a graphic put out at some point. I don't think it's going to be like a live announcement or anything. And it comes back to that heart versus head, like this is classic, like, like we've talked about many times where it's, do I want to stay home and go with my heart where, and stay home with, 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 with Wisconsin and what they do with offensive linemen, or do I want to go challenge myself out of state and get out of my comfort zone? So not, not a ton to uh, report back there. Um, I don't think he, He's planning on taking other visits. He's just in decision mode right now. Yep. And the class of 2022 is just one of these very interesting things. There's three offensive linemen committed right now in that class. And, uh, you know, uh, Greg Stadrara gets two of them from in the state of Ohio and Avery Henry and Tiger Shabola. Those two would have committed to Ohio State no matter who the offensive line coach is. And then, you know, George Fitzpatrick out in Colorado, uh, Tony Alford did a lot of the legwork there. Uh, this is one of those moments for Greg Stadrara where people, who like to criticize his recruiting uh, are kind of on edge because it's like, okay, do I have to give him credit for something if he pulls it off or is this another, oh, well, they fell short again out of state. Um, I, I, you know, we'll find out soon. The Buckeyes did fall short out of state uh, on Tuesday night as we continue to just talk stuff here by uh, buyersauto.com. Um, on Jimmy Rolder, the linebacker from Illinois, who we brought up a little a few minutes ago, we talk about a kid whose star just went from zero to a hundred real quick. I mean, this is someone that five weeks ago did not have a single offer. And now on Tuesday night, he committed to Michigan after picking up offers from Ohio state, Michigan, Notre Dame, LSU, Florida, and pretty much everyone else in the world in the last five weeks. And Zach, this just seemed like a kid that did not want this spotlight. Like he, it's funny because these kids work their whole lives to get noticed and get seen and get the recognition and then when they get it, it can be extremely overwhelming. And I think that something about the small town feel of Ann Arbor and, and the program there in, in Michigan uh, made more sense to him than the big bright lights of Columbus. Yeah, his recruitment went from zero to 100 real quick and then 100 to zero just as quickly. I mean, out of nowhere last night, seemingly out of nowhere, um, yeah. because I know he was still planning on taking another visit to Ohio State, maybe getting back out to some other schools and then. He just said, you know what, I'm done, Michigan, that's it. And now we look uh, uh, tacking on with Carson Tabarachi, him canceling his visit, as you reported yesterday, canceling his Ohio State visit. Those were the two guys that in the 2022 class that I think Ohio State was still uh, targeting at linebacker. And now I, you, you mentioned a few names when you wrote about it yesterday, two days ago, that Ohio State may go after. And the only one that really – that I had been on my mind who I still think could be a possibility is someone like Alex Safari at Lakota West, yeah. who is committed to Kentucky. And I think there's pretty general consensus is that he's more of a linebacker than a safety defensive back, which is what he's, uh, um, I think he's still listed at, at least he originally. Yeah, the, the, on, the on three uh, database has him as a cornerback. And, you know, we've seen him multiple times and I, I don't see that in his future at all. Athletically, he's really special. Like that's a kid who, if you move him to that linebacker spot at 6'2", 215 pounds, uh, you could really see a, a kid develop into a, a really special athlete. There, he's a number ten ranked player in Ohio, and um, you know he camped once for Ohio State and, and had an okay day. But like, if he wants to play corner, if that's what he's telling people, then Ohio State isn't going to recruit him there. So that's one of these situations where, like, how do you tell a kid, okay, you're wrong. This is not your position. We we know what's best for you if the kid himself doesn't want that. And I mean, going on that, 
if 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 they're not going to bring in someone like him as that third linebacker in the class in my in my opinion i think they're done at linebacker i didn't really think they were going to add a third linebacker this this whole time but i thought that with the um with uh offering jimmy rolder and getting him on campus once potentially getting him on campus a second time i thought that might have uh changed things but now with uh with with those two um out of the fold i think they've turned their focus to the 2023 class because i know they've got they're shooting to sign at least three linebackers in that class and sunny styles i guess could count as one of them even though he's just sort of a uh, defensive weapon to be used all over the place um but yeah i know there's tamir robinson troy bowles Jaden osbury who you just talked to for Bermanology. that those i think are the three I guess, main guys right now at this point, where do you see linebacker recruiting going in 23? Because I think we weren't feeling great about Jaden Osbury as of a week ago. Troy Bowles is someone who I think they want to get on campus again. And Tamir is obviously going through the recovering from, from his knee surgery. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, to finish on 22, I, I do think that they're probably done at that spot unless, you know, you, it may make more sense to hit up the transfer portal after the season and get a one-year rental and then turn the focus 23. I've written it so many times over the last decade, but like Ohio state does not do like settling offers. They don't settle at a position. If they don't think a kid can eventually play at Ohio state, they're not going to offer him. Uh, and I know that's, you know, counterintuitive in some cases or, or seems obvious in others. But um, if they don't think a kid can play at Ohio State, they're not going to offer him. They really liked what they saw to Jimmy Rolder, Carson Tavarachi. They they really liked him at camp uh, over the summer, but I don't think that they ever really went aggressively after him. And he's pretty much decided to stay closer to home. I think he'll end up at Utah. Um, and in 23, there is the Tamir Robinson. There is Jaden Osbury. There is Troy Bowles. And the fascinating thing to me is that Osbury and, and Bowles are like the exact same player, like the, exactly the same guy. Uh, and the Buckeyes do, they would take them both and would want them both. Now, would those two want to do that together? I don't know. Um, but I think clearly the flexibility of Sonny Styles allows you to do some things um, in moving in moving parts because Sonny's not a linebacker. He's not a safety. He's whatever. You can just put him out there and let him roam around. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that's, that's where the focus is. And this is a situation where Al Washington's got three really good relationships with those three kids. And I, I don't see them in the 22 cycle, Al Washington identified CJ Hicks, Gabe Powers and Desan McCullough very early. Those three are who he went after. He got commitments from all of them and he was, and he thought he was done. Uh, I don't know that they're in that position yet with Robinson or, or Osbury. But I, I will tell you that I feel like if you're trying to handicap the race for Osbury, I feel much better about it after talking to him a little bit in these last couple of days that with the Bermanology episode that he was on that I did a, a week before. I really I I've long believed he's going to leave. He's not going to go to LSU. Uh, and so if, if a kid from Baton Rouge isn't going to go to LSU, then all you know, all bets are off. And I think that the the offense or the defensive scheme that Ohio State runs fits him style wise pretty good. And you know, I think you'll see, I mean, he's a five-star player, so there's going to be everyone after him, but the relationships are, are really good right now with Ohio State. So we'll see. Uh, there's there's definitely things uh, happening, but, you know, the, the Buckeyes are in a position where they don't need to panic, uh, obviously, at that position. Um, you know, linebacker-wise, as I wrote about it on Tuesday, like they came into this season expecting 
Dallas Gantt to Roger Mitchell and Kayvon Pope to all be back next season. So there was no panic. And now you you really don't know what to expect when it comes to uh, that position and the injuries. Don't, don't you think that the uh, the emergence of Steel Chambers and obviously Cody Simon, you have Tommy Eichenberg, uh, you have a couple other guys, Neo Teote, I think is going to be back for another year, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's the plan, yeah. And maybe to Roger Mitchell, I think. I don't. I think he was left off the senior day um, list, which I know doesn't matter as much, but still, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because he could transfer. It doesn't matter because he could be transferring somewhere else or going to the NFL. Or it's just the, the roster management right now is just creepy, dude. You like you have no idea what people are doing. But uh, like I was saying, it's just I don't think that linebacker adding a third one in 2022 is as much of a emergency need unless you're adding a depth guy, like you said, in the transfer portal because. Uh, I think a lot of it is because guys like Steel Chambers and Tommy Eichenberg has emerged, have emerged as, um, I mean, Steel is emerging as a defensive star, defensive MVP type of player for this Ohio State defense. Tommy's shown improvement. So I think you are afforded then the, the opportunity to push it back to 2023. And, but, and you and you regain Mitchell Melton into that mix. I mean, there, there are some things that are in the Buckeyes' favor there for sure. Um, so kind of transition here with uh, linebacker recruiting, safety type recruiting with Sonny Styles in the class. I think there are some people that are obviously you're through the moon that you have Sonny Styles to uh, start with that. But I think there are some concerns that maybe bring uh, getting him in the 23 class might affect Xavier Wampa in the 2022 class or Zion Branch. I don't I, I kind of see Xavier and uh, Sonny being able to be on the field at the same time. Um, because I think they're kind of different skill sets, but what, what's your read on that situation? Oh, I agree. I mean, I, I think that they're, they're, this is again, the value of what uh, the value of Sonny Styles is that he can be on the field with anyone at the same time. It, it doesn't put him in, he's not in a box where, you know, like Xavier Wampa, there's a pretty good understanding that he's going to be filling the role of Ronnie Hickman at Ohio state. If he ends up choosing the Buckeyes. Now, the question is, of course, what would Sonny Styles play in that defense? And, and and I'm going to say this as nicely as I can. If you're a 2022 prospect and you're a five-star player and a top 10 player in the country, and, and I believe Xavier Wampa is the best safety in the country, bar none. I don't, uh, I don't, I've seen him enough times to, to feel that way. And I, I don't think there's anyone better. And especially in that Ronnie Hickman role, that bullet linebacker combo hybrid role. If you're one of those guys, if you're one of those, I'm a top 15 player in the country dudes. If you care at all about the guy who's a year behind you, you're maybe not that guy. You know what I mean? Does that make yeah, any sense? That, that's that's something I think in recruiting we've kind of talked about a lot too is these guys all, a lot of them like the Mecca Vuka situation. That's one that I always go back to. They want to play with and against those type of people in the same program, like guys who are, just as good as them, at least if you are built like that or built different, as the kids say. Yeah, but if you but you find out real quick if you are or aren't built different based on how that situation makes you feel. And, you know, I believe Ohio State and Iowa are the two teams in the mix at this point for Wampa uh, the most. But Notre Dame has been around. I've talked to different people at Notre Dame. They say they're not confident. I've talked to people at Iowa. They are confident. Ohio State's going, I don't know. I mean, no one has any real clue. I don't think that Sonny Styles decision impacts Xavier Wampa at all. That's just what I'm going to say. And if it does, then to me, it's an indication that he's probably not a right fit for Ohio State anyway. And I don't mean that to be negative. I don't mean that to put someone down. But like, if you're worried about the kid who's coming in a year after you, then you you probably are not mentally 
what it takes to, to survive at Ohio State. And I know you're I know you're saying that sort of as devil's advocate, but I, I don't believe that Xavier's that mindset at all. And I don't think that you think that he's built that. No, way. I don't. I don't. That's why I mean I still think we we both have him into Ohio State. And uh I don't, you know, if, if you go to the on three.com um, you know, today on Wednesday, there's a, a five-star uh scoop from Chad Simmons on on everyone, basically, including uh, Xavier Wampa and Zion Branch listed in this story, and you should probably go read it. Um, you know, Chad said that he's hearing that the schools with the most buzz are Iowa and Ohio State, and he said he likes where the Buckeyes are based on what he's been told from people uh, uh, nationally in the last couple of days. And, uh, you know, it's the same thing with Zion Branch. He still says, I've talked to Ohio State in this race since June. There's no reason for me to change that. Um, it's And I, I agree. I mean, there's a December 15th decision for for – Zion Branch, December 8th for Xavier Wampa. One month from now, I, I believe both those guys will be in the Ohio State uh, 2022 recruiting class. And I think that a lot of people's concerns about the safety position can be put to bed for a while. But that does lead us to the position that is giving most people reasons to have nightmares. And that's the, oh, somehow the defensive line. Like, what world are we living in where Ohio State's defensive line recruiting is the biggest question mark? We are living in a world where it feels like it feels like a repeat of the Larry Johnson retirement rumors talk. I mean, we are inching yeah. closer and closer to that actually one day being a reality, but I think we are still a couple of years away from that. Um, I don't know if that's I honestly I haven't heard that like from the people I talked to that that might that Larry Johnson retirement rumors, if other schools are still using that against him i haven't heard that on the on the recruiting trail um i don't know if you have um i don't think that people have to say it anymore i think that's kind of what makes it interesting because again you do have to every year it's closer to the year that he actually does retire but larry johnson in talking to him and talking to people on the program he he is not thinking about that he's, he's still feeling younger and younger um, but I also think it's this, Zach, it's not even, again, that people have to say that anymore because it is just a natural, okay, this guy's 30 years older than the defensive line coach of Georgia or wherever. So, you know, Georgia, A&M, these schools that are all of a sudden pushing, pushing, pushing for defensive linemen, they have very young defensive line coaches and they have extreme success right now in the defensive line and people, you know, people talking about Jordan Davis for the Heisman and all this stuff and the the Bulldogs are the one that we're going to talk about now because I think we're going to talk mostly about Hero Canoe to start. But you know they're they're pushing out of, of their class. They're pushing Tyree West, who's an in-state four-star defensive tackle prospect who's been committed to Georgia for over a year. And Georgia's basically just throwing him to the trash heap. And I I it's weird to me that they're doing that because if Ohio State did that to a kid inside the state of Ohio, it's very very negative PR. Um, it's not for some reason playing out that way in Georgia, and that's cool, whatever. Um, but I don't think they're doing that unless the Georgia staff is feeling very confident that they're going to sign both Chris McClellan and Hero Canoe. And so that's where I think Buckeyes fans are starting to feel a little bit uh, concerned because if Hero Canoe ends up picking Georgia and uh, Christian Miller, not Chris McClellan, sorry, ends up picking Georgia and Chris McClellan ends up staying home and going to Oklahoma, uh, 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What happens now? What are the other options, right? Because the Buckeyes' <laughs> face is going to get screen grabbed. Yeah, like where do, where do the Buckeyes go with defensive tackle? And that's that's a real concern because, uh, hello, there. Uh, Antoine Jackson's leaving. Pascal Garrett's leaving. Jerron Cage could be leaving. Teron Vincent could be leaving. Like, all of a sudden you have a major problem uh, at defensive tackle. Yeah, and those last two guys, if they stay, you obviously have much less of a concern. And then you have Mike Hall coming up, Tyleek Williams, um, and Ty, Ty Hamilton. Hamilton. Right, you still you have some depth, but you, you can't just sit back and, and not sign anyone. Right, exactly. And that's why um, and if they do lose those two guys, uh, Teron and Jerron. Um, hey, that rhymed. Teron and Jerron, if they leave, then you're, you're – and even bigger of a pickle, as you like to say. I mean, right. but because Nick James, may, I, I don't know if they'd be able to sort of repair things there. Derek Shepard is an in-state uh, defensive yeah. tackle who I don't think – I don't think that – yeah, like I'm just bringing his name up because I know I've seen that. I don't think that's a, a real um, likelihood at this point. I guess it's still a possibility, uh, but yeah. I, think he's, I think he's to Cincinnati – that, that really diminishes your opportunities. I mean, obviously, we always say Larry Johnson always has one guy in the in the fold, like the Tyleek Williams story, but does he have anybody off the radar right now other than those guys? Because we've been talking about the same group for yeah. maybe a year now. You know, I think that's one of the interesting things about this Ohio State 2022 class. We just keep talking about the same guys. And, if again, if you go to on3.com and you read this five-star scoop from Chad Simmons today, it's talking about Walter Nolan, talking about Evan Stewart, talking about Harold Perkins, talking about all these guys who just keep flip-flopping on interested in this school now. I mean, uh, Walter Nolan committed to Texas A&M last week, and then the next day was back at Tennessee for a visit. And, like, like, what is going on? Ohio State doesn't want kids that are that sort of mentality, that sort of fickleness. So they're focused in on, on these handful of kids, and this is sort of a sink or swim moment because the kids you're recruiting, you know, are serious about the recruiting process. They're kids that are – are very close to a decision, um, you know, and that's why Hero Canoe right now sort of seems to be the defensive tackle prospect they're going after. And, you know, we talked about maybe five defensive linemen early in the process, but right now with Kenyatta Jackson Jr. committed uh, and, and Canoe as the clear-cut front runner at defensive tackle, and then you have uh, Caden Curry, who's that combo, that three-tech slash um, – you know, five tech guy that you can look at. And then you have Omari Abor. That's pretty much it. Like there's not any other real targets out there that have popped their, their heads up in the last few months. It's not like Larry John. It's not like you see some random kid visiting for a game and go, Oh, why is this kid here? Like Jaden McKenzie. I remember two years ago, three years ago being there uh, at Ohio state on a game day when Jaden McKenzie came walking down the ramp and like, Oh, okay. I guess Ohio state is serious about him. There aren't those kids on this on this uh, world right now, and that's why I think it's fascinating. Like Ohio State brought in Kenneth Grant for an official visit in June, and then didn't really recruit him. So, like, what? Why would you do that? <laughs> like, that doesn't make sense. Um, and, and so now you're stuck in this position, a month to signing day, 
where you fully expect Christian Miller to end up at Georgia. I mean, I, I think there's still a chance for Ohio State there. I'm not saying it's over, but there's a lot of scuttlebutt in, in the uh, Athens area that he's a silent commitment to the Bulldogs, and there has been for a couple months. Um, Chris McClellan, I guess, is the wild card because Florida did fire their defensive coordinator. There is some very um, thick smoke in Oklahoma right now about things maybe happening with Lincoln Riley and the LSU Tigers. That would be an obvious game changer. We're not going to dive too far down that rabbit hole, but that's that's real. That's real rumors. You can go pretty far down the LSU rumor rabbit hole because, I mean, you both heard a couple names. That's like, all right, well, that would change some things. Yeah. I mean, hearing Lincoln Riley at LSU is a game changer. uh, And and that potentially could swing things back around with Chris McCollin and Ohio State. But I think, and again, I don't mean to say this in a way that makes Ohio State seem like they're hoity toity or whatever. But for some of these kids, when the kids decide, okay, I want to play the recruiting game in a lot of cases, Ohio State decides we're okay. We're not interested anymore, and they recruit kids who are serious about about football and about their recruiting process. And the minute that someone starts to take that little deviation to um, "I'm just doing this for fun," Bill, like that's not when Ohio State wants to recruit. So, if if we're looking at bigger picture stuff, because this sort of I guess just a theory that popped in my mind a minute ago um, that could I guess make, could wind up being a dangerous game that Ohio State plays down the road because I don't know it feels like this 2022 cycle we're seeing more kids kind of playing the recruiting game than in the past at least recent history and I'm wondering if that's uh, if that's happening because of the COVID year and 15 months of not being able to take visits and stuff like that there's a lot of this angst now they're getting out wanting yeah. to that experience and pack this entire recruiting experience in a very short time frame. Or I'm wondering if that's sort of now the era we're living in where we're going to see a lot more kids want to play that, play that game with the way that things are these days. So I don't know. I don't know if that's yeah. something that's going to have to play out or what. I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, I think that you have to understand the, this class of 2022 has been impacted by the COVID stuff way more than the 21 class was way more than the 23 class. So I think you do see a a group of kids that is maybe trying to extend their moment in the sun a little bit as long as they can. Uh, That being the case, there's still also this now shift into the name, image, and likeness era, the free transfer portal era. Everything is changing. And the rules are kind of out the window in a lot of cases that kids are like, oh, I can do this. I can go visit here and get this and go visit here and get this. And um, it's... Uh, that's why it's so important for Ohio State to recruit, as as we've talked about over and over, and what Ryan Day has said repeatedly in the last month when asked about recruiting in press conference situations. They want kids who want to be Buckeyes. And the kids that want to be Buckeyes, they know right away want to be Buckeyes. And that's sort of the, the thing. And speaking of a kid who I think is going to want to be a Buckeye, and it's one of those situations where I, he, I don't think he's playing the recruiting game at all. It's just one of those things where he's really taking his time and being very, very deliberate in the process, and that's Caden Curry. Um, I wanted to hit on uh, hit on his recruitment a little bit here because I just went and saw him for the 75th time uh, last weekend, and he was just coming off an Alabama visit, and I know there's potential for that like post-visit glow and stuff, but I, I really do believe Alabama is a uh, much bigger threat than they were uh, as a, I mean, they were always a threat. They were, I know they're always in Caden's top three, um, but I think they're a bigger threat than they were as of two weeks ago before the visit. And I think Ohio State does have some competition there. I still think he winds up at Ohio State, 
But um, talking with him, it feels like, yeah, it's Ohio State, Alabama, Indiana. He hasn't visited Oregon. He hasn't visited Clemson. I think you kind of read the tea leaves there. It's not, yeah. not hard. It's, time is drawing close to an end there. There's not a lot of opportunity for that. And they uh, they won. They advanced to the state semifinals. And he's been pretty adamant for the past month or so. Like, I'm not going to make a decision until after the playoffs. He's focused on weighing a, another state championship uh, for a second straight year, which I know a lot of kids say, like, I'm just focused on this season. And then they commit like, yeah. a day later. I don't uh, I don't foresee that happening with with uh, with Caden. I th- so I think they probably are. They're the favorite to win the state championship. So we probably won't see um him make a decision until a week or two after his final game of the season but just to recap things i think i do think it's ohio state versus alabama sort of battle here toward the end and i think ohio state wins out but alabama has got their foot much uh further in the door than originally it's one of those moments where you just throw up your hands and go it's alabama you know they're going to make a push this is where you start to get into the old world of, you know, recruiting adages, right? Look, what, what does he do? Not what he says. What is he, there always has to be a second team. Like, and I think that Indiana was the the team we all thought would be the second team for Caden Curry for so many months, because Tom Allen was pushing this vision of, of the Hoosiers program uh, ascending and becoming a real competitor in the big 10 East. That is clearly not happening in Bloomington. That that team has fallen on its face and, uh, they seem closer now to firing Tom Allen than they do competing against Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan States, of, and Penn States of the world. So I think that there's an opportunity at that point as Indiana kind of falls off into the ether, um, someone else has to step up and fill that vacuum. And, and that's where Alabama right off the visit being the fact that they are, of course, Alabama makes a big difference. Uh, it was, with Indiana, we've talked all the time with about Caden Curry, Zach, is that there's that that role that role in their defense that he really likes that they have that he thinks he can fit. Bama, you know how Bama operates. Bama's like, oh, we can we can do that. We can put you there. We can do like they, they're gonna. And nothing that they say is actually ever like a lie because every kid who goes there wins a national championship. So you're just like, okay, well we can sure we can do that for you. We can yeah, okay sure you you want to play uh, wide receiver okay. Like the yes I mean, man from, from Kevin Hart. What what do you need? Yeah, yeah. No, I'll go back. Yeah, I'll get it. Yeah, I mean, who because they 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 can say whatever they want, and it's almost always true because it always comes down to that's what, uh, was, if you, that's what I was gonna ask. Is it working, Berm? Yeah, it is I mean, working it, for it's clear it's clearly working. It's clearly working, and that's that's the challenge. But this is again Ohio State is competing on the national recruiting stage, not with anyone in the Midwest. And, and yeah, you, you'll have the occasional battle with Notre Dame for a player. Uh, obviously, the, the the Xavier Wampa stuff at Iowa, that's a hometown thing. You know, that's different. But when you're talking about a player like Caden Curry, and that's why I think for so long, Ohio State analysts and, and recruiting folks have been somewhat confident uh, that he'd end up at Ohio State because the, if if you size it up, Ohio State versus Indiana, it is never going to be Indiana. And so now you do have to worry about Alabama because it's Alabama. They get what they want, and that's a challenge. The SEC beast is a different beast in recruiting, and Ohio State wants to compete against them in recruiting because that's how you beat them on the field. But they, they're going to keep doing it their way, and Ohio State's way is patient and uh, slow and steady wins the race which is why I think they're a perfect fit for someone like Caden Curry, because he's not in a hurry and kudos to him and kudos to all these kids, in my opinion, who realized 
they don't need to make a decision until December 16th. So why, why force yourself and, and pigeonhole yourself into a position where, you know, it, things change. The, the yeah. world of football is changing. Like I don't, first of all, Curry, yeah, Curry is not in a hurry. So I don't think that. Oh, that also rhymes. That, God, darn it. I don't even know if, I, I don't even think he, yeah, I don't think he's in a hurry to where I, I don't think this is going to happen, but like knowing his recruitment, knowing him, I wouldn't even be completely shocked if he waited until February and then wound up not enrolling early. That That's nothing he has told me would uh, suggest that he's going to do that, but I'm just saying it wouldn't even be that much of a surprise. Um, and he, uh, but again, if you were a recruit, now let's put yourselves in this position here. Like I get committing early and helping build a class. Like I understand there's value in that, but if you're not a kid who is going to do that, why would you not wait until February if you weren't enrolling early? Like I would. Yeah, at least you get, I guess you get more of the, uh, the feel for a program. I think I, and now I don't remember the career calendar. I guess I could look at it real quick. Maybe you get to go see some bowl practices, yeah. uh, get even better feel for, for programs, but you um, get to make sure that the coach that's recruiting you the whole time, doesn't leave two weeks after signing day and go coach in the NFL or, or, or go take another job because of the recruiting, the coach, the coaching carousel is going to be insane in the next six weeks. It's going to be nuts. And so if you're one of these kids that hasn't signed, why wouldn't you just take a step back and let everything settle? I think there is though, there's the um, stigma is not the right word, but it feels like there's this massive trend of, I need to get in school early. I need to enroll early, start my development, which I, I agree with, but um, there are other cases like where uh, you say, see JT to a Malau, which, I know that's a rare case of someone being extremely special and is able to hit the ground running and just immediately make an impact. But him being able to make that impact, I think, uh, I think that's making uh, a good impression on on Caden Curry and uh, guys like that. Where okay, well, if he can do it, I guess I can uh, put off a decision a little longer. But the thing is, I keep trying to say this is Caden Curry is a guy that Ohio State can absolutely not lose. He's He's basically in Ohio. He's basically an in-state recruit. With he's yeah. three hours away, so um, it's that uh, we've been talking about him for now like a year and a half. So he's been defensive priority one for eighteen months, and that's not changing. Uh, you know, and I think it's just an important time to realize that not every kid is wired the same, and not every kid is driven by the same thing. If Caden Curry, who's planned all along to enroll early, decides, you know what, I. I love playing baseball with my teammates and I want to play one more year of baseball. Okay. Like how, how do you, if that's what he wants to do, if that's what he thinks is the best thing for him, how can anyone else tell him you're wrong? I mean, it's not like playing baseball for the last 10 years has stopped him from becoming a good football player or a good football prospect. He knows what he, you know, he's obviously wanted by Ohio state and Alabama and Clemson. So like you, you did this, you did the thing, you know, at this point, if you want to go play baseball for another year, who cares what other people think? What, <laughs> like, what good timing, Berm, because Ryan Day just said two days ago that he wants his recruits to, uh, to be able to play multiple sports. So it's just important to realize that all these kids are different and Caden Curry clearly wants to play in the NFL someday, but like he also realizes he's not going to play in the NFL next spring. So what is it? What what are you gaining? What do you versus what are you giving up? That uh, experience capital matters. You know those memories that you make with your high school teammates matter to a lot of kids. Some kids they don't matter to. 
Other kids, I'm telling you, you've talked to Caden Curry more than anyone. I've talked to him a handful of times, you know, in person. And every time you come away, you realize how important um, that high school is to him and, and the kids that he's played sports with for the last 10 years. Like all those kids are together forever. Like they matter. And I personally find that as a plus when Ohio State's recruiting kids like that, because you know that a kid like that is going to be serious about what he's doing. And that takes us back to what I'm saying. Like Ohio State wants kids that are taking this seriously because they take it seriously. They take the re- the relationship side of this recruiting game extremely seriously. And he'll be, be a great fit for the brotherhood, Berm. Yeah, that's right. We we talked about Caden Curry for life for way longer than I expected to. One last thing. I know we he's so re- important. He's so important to the Ohio State recruiting class. I mean, again, think about if you lose Hero Canoe and you don't sign a defensive tackle, okay. But if you lose Caden Curry and now all of a sudden you're only sending two defensive linemen, if if you end up with um Omar Abor in the class, which is not a, a guarantee by any stretch, like where do these guys come from? You know, that it becomes a very big deal. Anyway, go ahead. Last thing. So the last thing I, I uh, opened up our message board for questions. I had a mailbag earlier today. I think I might do a part two later in the week, but one that was asked three different times that we haven't talked about yet, which I think would be a good closer is just Devin Brown, USC quarterback. He's supposed to be coming on uh, on campus for an official visit this weekend. Um, had like three different people ask what, what's the timeline for Devin Brown? Where, what's, their possibilities of Ohio of him landing with Ohio State, that sort of thing. So what's your read on the entire situation? First, you can't worry about the timeline uh, because it doesn't matter. Um, again, you know, Ohio State right now has four quarterbacks on the roster and all of them are going to be back next year. Like that's in your mind, right? So it doesn't matter what the timeline is. Clearly, Devin Brown's been committed to USC for over a year. Clearly, he's not going to USC. So there is Texas – you know, uh, I don't know why Texas would want him when Quinn Ewers is transferring there. Uh, you know, so like there's all this year first. Ole Miss, um, you know, is out there as a as a player, and what you see what Lane Kiffin's done with Matt Corral and Devin Brown's kind of that same gunslinger mentality. I'm going to say this: Ohio State needs a quarterback in the class of 2022. Obviously, they they believe that; otherwise, they wouldn't be recruiting Devin Brown and Drew Aller. They will gladly take either one of those two guys. I don't think this is a situation where it's like, oh, Aller's the absolute priority and you wait on Devin Brown if if he wants in while you figure out if James Franklin's leaving Penn State or whatever. Uh, they really, really like Devin Brown. I'm interested in the fact that his visit is happening this weekend because when I first talked to Devin about this about a month ago, he said very explicitly that he wanted to visit in December after the season was over so that there was more time to get to know people and build relationships and see the whole campus and not do it on a game weekend. But clearly uh, at this point, I, I think that Ohio State has done a really good job in becoming a, a real player in that recruitment. And it's given him the confidence to say, hey, I can come there on a game weekend and, and still have the relationship being built that I want. Um so where do I see it? I, I think Texas is the front runner. I think Steve Sarkeesian does a really nice job convincing quarterbacks that he's got the plan for them. Um, Texas is in dire, dire need of a player like that. Um, but this is a, this is where Ryan Day's reputation matters a lot. Uh, he's going to get an opportunity to sit down with Devin and show him the plan. Um and, and you go from there. There's no timeline, though, and that's the thing. I mean, the timeline's December 16th, so 
get there and then see what happens. Yeah, I don't have much to add other than my, my gut feeling has been uh, all along that if Ohio State gets him on campus, that Devin Brown will eventually wind up in Ohio State's class. But I can't. I also, at the same time, can't shake the feeling that he's going to see four quarterbacks in the same room. I mean, to compete against them, like I would be the fifth guy. Um, well, sure. But, I mean, again, we all know realistically right. that two of those guys are almost certainly not going to be there next year. So – you know, in the new world of college football, it seems very unlikely that four of them will be back in the spring. It's I don't know if it's two or three that are on the roster next spring, but we can all pretty much realistically and objectively realize that someone at least is leaving maybe two. Right. And then Devin would have to if faced with that decision, he would have to take a leap of faith, so to speak. Um, but I digress. So to speak. Yeah, he would have to he would have to take that leap of faith that one or two of them is going to leave, even though they're yeah. in, they're on the program now. So that's all. That was my that was my piece that I had on this. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited for this weekend. The thing is about Ohio State this weekend, like the Buckeyes had a huge recruiting weekend just three weeks ago against Penn State. When this game against Michigan State was on the schedule for the week before the Michigan game, it was not anticipated to be a top ten matchup. So it's not like you started to plan months in advance to have this be a big recruiting weekend. It's going to be obviously late November. It's cold. Um, it's a noon game. People are going to have a tough time getting into town. There will be some big names on campus. Devin Brown certainly highlights it. Peyton Kirkland's another. Uh, I'm of the mindset that uh, Carnell Tate will be either at Ohio State or at Notre Dame on Saturday. So I, I think he'll end up in Columbus, but that's just um, because that's what he said a few weeks ago, that he planned on being back there for that game. So I guess we'll see. Obviously, the you know Sonny Styles, CJ Hicks, those, those guys will be there every game from now on. But um, don't expect it to be a huge recruiting weekend. But I do think it's an, it's an opportunity for Ohio State to have a very productive recruiting weekend because the guys like Devin Brown, if Carnell Tate shows up, et cetera, you could see and Pey- Peyton Kirkwood, as we already said, like there's some some key moving parts coming into town. Yeah. Anything else? Nope. I now I, I don't have anything else to add. I think uh, I think that pretty much wraps it all up. Excellent. Well, this is Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast, brought to you by Buyers Auto, buyersauto.com, and lettermanrow.com. We are part of the On3 Sports Network. You can sign up now for one year for $10. Uh, and, you know, you still obviously get this fine content here on the, the YouTube, which is, uh, of course, where you guys are watching us and listening to this now. That's that Carpenter. I'm Jeremy Birmingham. Thank you for watching. We will see you in a few days with the next episode. Bye. Step into the world of power loyalty and luck i'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.